Today, let's change gears. Let's get into the Word as Andre had read the opening scripture, which was out of Acts chapter 2, verse 37 and 42. We see in this portion of scripture where the very first evangelistic outreach took place. 3,000 people got saved, joined the church. And then in this portion of Scripture, we see something very interesting about community. Community is very, very important. I used to work at Menards, and people would walk through Menards at this time of year, whenever it snowed, and all they would do as I was walking them, taking their hand and walking them to the shovel they now have to buy, because everybody's like, hey, where's the shovels at? <laughs> I'm like, here they are, let me take you to the shovel. <laughs> Oh, the depression was just thick in the air. <laughs> like, come on, it's winter. Every, we, we've been expecting this all year. I hate, I hate Illinois. I hate the politics. I hate the weather. I hate everything in Illinois. I'm like, all right, so, sir, I say, why don't you live in Arizona? He says, because everybody, my family lives here. I'm like, okay. Well, I, I kid you not. It was almost 100% of the time, everybody that hated living here and complained and was bummed out by the snow would always say the same thing. Well, everybody I know lives here. People will quit warm weather and bear the cold weather because their people are here. Their family lives here. Their community is here. And so we're going to see something very interesting today about community, because this is a heart cry of yours. And it's not just you. It's actually something that God has placed in you and everybody else. Everybody needs community. Our current society, if you think about it this way, is divided into many subgroups. And all these different subgroups from, uh, form, these, form themselves around these different causes. Andre, could you make it a little warmer? Just a little. Thank you, brother. So we see all these different causes, like different ethnicities form communities, different beliefs form communities, different practices form different communities. Like, for instance, you go to the gym. You have all your gym buddies. You do the same thing. If you're, if you're a biker, you wear the same outfit. You listen to the same music, and you go on the same rides. and So we see them forming around these practices, these beliefs, or these ethnicities, or these causes. So we find all of these communities. Think about it. You have the business community. Then you have bikers club. And then you have a gamer community, all the people who play the same games. Then you have student community on student life on a campus somewhere. Or if you, you have the LGBTQ community. Then there are the church communities. Think about it this way. Uh, I mean, you can drive down the street and almost every single church has the word community in there, don't they? Most famous here is Willow Creek Community Church because everybody forms communities around similar belief systems or similar practices or similar causes. You have international communities where they now take care of a certain um, disregarded group or hungry kids or so forth. Communities are formed around these causes. Now, in the 70s, 
I don't know if you can remember the 70s, can you? Can you remember the 60s? Like Doug Wilson says, if you remember the 60s, then you're not from there. <laughs> Something like that. People who remember the 60s didn't participate in the 60s. But in the 70s, <clears throat> the greatest and most pressing question people asked was this. What is truth? That's the question everybody asked. Now, 50 years later, people aren't asking that question anymore. Now they all have their own truth. The most pressing question people have today isn't what is truth. They now ask the question, where is community? That's the question. People have a deep need for community. They have a deep need for fellowship. And this is what the Bible calls koinonia. Community refers to your tribe. It refers to your people group. It refers to your family. Uh, it refers to that community that you identify with. So being part of a certain community offers a certain amount of acceptance, if you think about it. I belong to that community because we're all the same and they accept me the way I am because I'm like them. And so being part of a certain community offers acceptance. You belong to us. Therefore, it offers affirmation. I'm like this, you like this, we're good. It offers celebration. So acceptance, affirmation, celebration. This is what you are looking for when you join a certain community. So we have to ask, what is a true community though? What is a true community? Because community was God ordained, God designed, but He designed it and ordained it in a specific way. And in order to belong to a true community, it would have to be according to the blueprint of scriptures. So what is a true fellowship according to the Bible? What is this true koinonia that the Bible is talking about and refers to? Well, the word koinonia is the word for fellowship. Now, in modern times, we think fellowship is we hang around, shoot a breeze, drink a coffee, talk about the weather, but never politics and religion, just shallow stuff, right? Don't talk about anything edgy. Don't touch any truth. Don't... Just talk about the weather. Let's all sit around and complain about the snow. We had fellowship. <laughs> well, the Bible actually, when it refers to the word koinonia, it does speak of fellowship, but not that kind of fellowship. It has a deeper, more significant fellowship that we're going to talk about. This word koinonia is the idea of partaking together in something. Partaking together in something. Together, we fit like, for instance, your body, your hands, and your mouth, koinonia, because they partake together in the same thing. The word koinonia in the Bible is the act of mutual participation. We together feed this body, both my hands and my mouth. <laughs> you know, we, we koinonia, we participate together in something. It's the idea in the Bible is the idea of something being woven together. You have this tapestry and every, every little strain plays its part and together this beautiful picture exists. So what brings us together as a community is fellowship. What brings us together as a body, as a family is in fact this thing called koinonia. 
We have an example of that, right, in Acts 2, the very text that Andre read earlier, Acts chapter 2, verse 41. It says, so they heard Peter preach. They saw them filled with the Holy Ghost. Then they heard him preach the whole entire gospel. Then it says in verse 41, Then those who gladly received his words were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Watch this. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship one with another. In breaking bread and in prayers. So in other words, when the 3,000 joined the church in that one day, what happened? Well, something naturally formed around what Peter was preaching about. Luke describes how this church naturally took shape. And when I'm, when I'm talking to you about this, you will see this can be applied not just to here inside of our church community, but also my church at home. As a father... This koinonia principle takes place like it does here, and it takes place here like it did 2,000 years ago when Peter preached. But there's a reason why this sweet, wonderful, beautiful fellowship takes place. This is why you can live in a desert and love it if you have koinonia. But you can live in a paradise and hate it when there is no koinonia, right? Because this is God's design. So, here are a few features that took place when Peter preached. These are the natural things that took place after hearing the word preached. They were baptized. They submitted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. They had communion. They broke bread together. And then it says, and then they continued in fellowship, one with another, koinonia, one with another. These are the natural things that take place when the Word of God is preached, the truth is put out there. So in our context, or in our text, it was dedication to the apostles' doctrine, in other words, truth, that resulted in the fellowship, meaning koinonia. Let me watch this quick. You don't want to miss this because this is how your life is put together. This is how a beautiful, glorious life is put together. It was their dedication to the, doc, to the apostles' doctrine. In other words, their dedication to what they saw taught from Scripture. They were dedicated to it. That resulted in those who were dedicated to these teachings... To have koinonia. Fellowship flowed from them being dedicated to the truth. This is not just true then, the very first big outreach. It was, it's true here today. It's true in every Bible church. And I'm talking about a true Bible church where truth, hard truths are taught. Have you, have you ever heard the saying that hard Teaching equals soft hearts. Soft teaching results in hard hearts. Ever heard that? It's true. <laughs> it's true. You want to find somebody 
that you cannot get them to obey God for anything because they've heard soft teaching, in other words, no scriptural teaching all their life, but then you found some, find somebody who's been very dedicated to the teaching of the apostles, no matter how hard it is. Man, those people's hearts are soft. And so here we have something that really gives, that results in koinonia to us. Commitment and dedication to the apostles' doctrines, in other words, truth, results in you having koinonia. And this is what I'm bringing you today. This is my thesis for today. This is my plan for today. And that is to explain, unpack, and show how true fellowship is established between you and your wife, between you and your children, between you and your family, between you and your church family. There is no other way of establishing true koinonia. You can belong to a community where you know there's hardly anything you can say there before somebody gets offended. So everybody just talks about the weather because it's not a true community. And then you get a community where the truth of Scripture is unvarnished and unapologetically defined, preached and submitted to, and there, there is no offense. There, when you talk about the weather, everybody's going like, can we talk about something a little bit more important, <laughs> deeper, something more meaty? This is why I'm here, <laughs> right? That is true koinonia. That is true fellowship. When a community comes and gathers around or unites around actual Bible truth, no matter how hard it is, now that, that's where you will find true friends. That's where you find a real wife, a real husband. That's where you have a real marriage, and that's where you raise real good, strong children. But you don't get that when you set up everything in your community where there's not one sharp edge, there's no truth, because, hey, you know, everybody sees it differently, you know. That is how to not look for community. So I'm just here to tell you, I'm just here to save you from years and years and years of heartache <laughs> and wasting your time. Watch this quick. In Psalm 133, verse 1 and 3. Behold, in other words, look, everybody, look. I'm about to show you something. How good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Look, behold. Check this out. Don't miss this. How pleasant and how beautiful and how good it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Community. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron. Running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. Watch this. For there, where? where this unity is. For there, the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. You can belong to a thousand communities, all of them a mile wide, an inch deep, shallow as the day is long. And God, why is everything so empty? 
And you can have one community, no matter how small, but deep and rich in truth and so fulfilling in life, so pleasant and so good. And other translations says, wonderful, beautiful, pleasant and good. And that is what you will find. The blessing of the Lord is there when brothers live together in harmony. But it's not in harmony because I refuse to speak the truth because I know you don't believe it. That's not harmony. Harmony isn't me changing my ways so that um, it'll suit your mood. (laughs) That's a song. But what true unity is, is when you and I both leave our opinions out of it and we come and unite around God's opinion. We leave our thoughts out of it and we come and unite around God's thoughts, God's truth, God's view. That's where unity is in fact possible. The truth is that truth is foundation to any true community. It is the foundation to this community and this community is the only response to truth. This is why. You'll get onto an airplane, and you'll fly to an unknown country sitting next to a stranger, and it comes up that this stranger pulls out their Bible and they start reading through the King James Version. And you go, you're a King James only. Yeah, <laughs> that means you're a Christian, huh? Look, all Christians can read King James, but the King James only is probably <laughs> a good chance that they're really into the Bible. And so the moment you find somebody who's really into scriptures, into the apostles' teachings and their doctrines and submitted to it, immediately it's like, man, it's like we've known each other forever, isn't it? It's like, my goodness, why is there such community between you and this one person? And they're not even the funnest person on the plane. There's some other funner people. But there's no community there. Even though they're entertaining, entertainment and community is not the same thing. Community is when you realize you are cut from the same cloth. Community is when you realize that you see the same thing. Community is when you realize that you submit to the same truths. That is community. That's why, my goodness, when it comes to marriage, don't be unequally yoked because there's never community in that house. There's no koinonia. It's just strife <laughs> because it's, there's no uniting around anything except for their own wills, their own opinions, their own perspectives, their own views. Everybody's uniting around their own little thing. But when you find a household where you're like, all right, we, don't, we actually unite around truth. That's it. It's not about you, honey. It's not about me, honey. We are about His glory, not our own. Now that's where true community exists. If you find a group of people looking for community but they do not uh, share the same truths, that community will not last. The longest life they will have is when they turn that community's depth to the most shallow part they can find. Now that community will last longer. The moment it goes a little deeper, it's over. Truth and community. In other words, truth and koinonia are in fact related. I want to show it to you out of the scriptures. Are you ready? 1 John 1 verse 6. 1 John 1 verse 6, watch this. It says, if we say that we have fellowship with Him, in other words, if we say we have fellowship with Jesus, 
and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. In other words, if we say, we have, de- I know, oh, Jesus and I, we're like this, man. We're like this. Do you practice the truth? No, I don't. You're lying. There's no fellowship between you and Jesus because the fellowship is determined by the truth of it all. Can you see how truth and fellowship is connected? No. If you don't live according to truth, he says you have no fellowship with him. No truth, no fellowship. Let's read it again. If we say that we have fellowship with him, we koinonia with Christ, yet we walk in darkness, we're lying. Because it would take truth for you to have fellowship with him. So notice the connection between truth and fellowship there. Truth, in fact, generates fellowship. Fellowship is cultivated in the truth. That's why it is so important for married couples to sit around the Bible every day if you can. Because that's where fellowship is birthed. Koinonia flows from truth, not from looks, not from gifts, not from funny. Koinonia, true fellowship, flows from truth. In our text in Acts, it was in fact dedication to the apostles' teaching truth that resulted in fellowship, koinonia. And in the same way, when you are committed to God's truth and find other, others equally committed to God's truth, then there's immediately fellowship that is birthed. That's how it works. That's how God designed it. So the basis of true community has to originate outside of this world. Watch this. This is really interesting. A lot of people find their togetherness around a natural cause. It saved the whales. They find their fellowship around something enjoyable, like let's go, and, let's go on a ride. We all have Harleys. We all have leather jackets. We all listen to ZZ Top. We all have long hair. If you don't, get yourself a clip-on. Let's go. Yeah? So people find something earthly to commune around, but... What the Bible talks about when it talks about koinonia is when you have a transcendental commu- uh, communion. You see, the basis of our truth is not here. It's not a, it's not a sports team. It's not a motorbike. It's not dogs. It's not the, the, the truth is, not, is from, from another world, is from outside of us, outside of this world. It's God's truth. Therefore, nobody can vote it out. In other words, now you'll find people get together and they will come into koinonia, they'll come into fellowship, and no matter what the government says, we stay in fellowship because we didn't unite around a truth that they can vote on. It's transcendental. In other words, our koinonia, our fellowship is not from this world. It is now in this world because we are in this world, but it's not of this world, just like His kingdom. His kingdom is not of this world, but it's been established in this world. And in the same way, koinonia fellowship, a God-designed fellowship, is in fact otherworldly. It is outside of here, cannot be altered, cannot be changed, cannot be voted on. It is truth as God has spoken it. 
And because we unite around it, our unity, our communion is transcendental. It's greater than what may happen in this world. So the basis of true community has to originate outside of this world. So if somebody says, where is community? The answer is, where the truth is. Or more specifically, where, is the tr- where, where the truth of God is, that is where community is. And that is a transcendental community. It actually is not shaken, affected, or, or broken. That's why imagine Paul. <coughs> you know what Paul said? Like some of you, he says, if, you, if, you're, if you're a slave, he says, if you're a Gentile, if you're a Jew... I mean, there were different people sitting around that table. He says, we're all humble here before the Lord. We've all become one. He didn't tell anybody to stop being who they were. He just told them, like, we're all one because we've united around something transcendental. Now, the next verse is actually even more revealing. Watch this. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light... We have fellowship, koinonia, with one another. (laughs) It says it right there. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, no. Let's go to verse 7, 1 John 1, 7, the next verse. But if we walk in the light, in other words, the truth, as He is in the light, in other words, if we walk in His truth, we have fellowship one with another. We have fellowship because we both walk in His truth. Here's an illustration for you. Imagine God is sitting 30,000 feet above us on His throne. There is you, there is John, and there is Frank. You, John, and Frank, each one 10 miles from each other. But imagine... The closer you move to God, and the closer John moves to God, and the closer Frank moves to God, the closer you, John, and Frank come to each other. So in other words, the closest you can be to somebody else is when you both become really close to God. You moving to God, John's moving to God, Frank's moving closer to God. Well, you, John, and Frank are suddenly now moving closer to each other because you're moving closer to God, and therefore koinonia exists. When you are brought into fellowship with God, you are at the same time brought into fellowship with one another as each move closer toward God. And this bond that is formed between you, John, and Frank forms this transcendental (laughs) bond between the four of you that cannot be broken by anything in this world. This is true for you, it's true for your spouse, you and your spouse, it's true for you and your children, it's true for you and those you call friend, it's true for you and your brothers in the Lord. So how do we act in this transcendental community? There are just two things I want to show you and we'll be done. First is, how do you respond inside of this koinonia that God is creating between you and your brothers and sisters in the Lord? Well, the first is receive one another. That's how you do it. Receive one another. In every community, there are offenses. 
In every church, there are offenses. In every marriage, there are offenses. In the home, there are offenses. On the job, there are offenses. So what do we do? Well, we receive one another with offenses. Like I've stepped on your toes. You've stepped on mine. And now let's receive one another. That's what it's saying. Romans 15, 7 says, Therefore, receive one another. Speaking to brother and brother. Who may have business differences. Who may have had a little tussle in the parking lot. Han cut somebody off again. (laughs) Um, uh, These little things... These little violations take place and they take place. But now he says, okay, but remember, I don't unite with you because you never cut me off. No, I unite with you because you are united in Christ. He says, therefore now, receive one another. Come on, receive one another. He says, hug it out. But then he says, receive one another just as Christ also received us. It's amazing to me how the gospel answers every problem in life. Receive that brother that you don't get along with because you have to do it just like Christ did for you. When you were his enemy, he received you. Now you go and receive your enemy that's in Christ. Therefore receive one another just as Christ also received us. Then it ends with, To the glory of God. Let God be glorified by the way you receive this person you don't have any liking for. God is glorified when you hug it out with somebody who stepped on your toes. So our first job is to receive one another. It glorifies God when Christ received us. Romans 15, 15, 7. Now, Christ is glorified when you and I receive one another. So the question is, how perfect were you when Christ received you? Were you perfect? No, not at all. Yet He received you. Now, you go and do likewise. I don't receive you because I love you. I receive you because Christ received me. I go and do likewise. It glorifies God when Christ is received. It glorifies Christ when you and I receive one another. The second point, the final one is now love one another. He says it in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. Again, how did he love us? He gave himself. (laughs) He didn't consider himself. He considered you. That's how he loved you. And he put himself on a cross. So in the same way he loved you, now you go and love one another. John 13, 35 says, a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another as I have loved you. He says it twice in the same chapter. John 15, 12, he says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. It's out of His love for you that you love others. John 15, 17. Then Romans 13, 8 says, Owe no one anything. In other words, you're not allowed to have debt, by the way. We are not allowed to have debt. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. We can only love because we've been loved. We can only know that we have been loved when we understand the glories of the gospel itself. The reason 
The reason people have to have shallow fellowship in these communities, other than the gospel, is because everything is done on their premise, done from their perspective, for their purposes. But when you get into a Christ-loving community, we don't do it on our premise, we do it on His premise. On, on the basis of what He's done for us, we now do for others. Certain offenses will come to you and I. But it says that love covers a multitude of sin. Then there are other offenses that need to be corrected. So some offenses need to be covered. Others need to be corrected in this community. But there is never criticism or complaining about others that's inappropriate. So there's covering. Then... There's correcting, but there's never complaining. And God has called us to unity. Amen. How beautiful and how lovely and how pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live in unity around the very truth of God. Let's pray. Father, you have outlined for us a rich, enjoyable life that's pleasant that's so doable, but seems unattainable because we don't know how to get this community. We don't know how to get this koinonia with each other, with our spouse or with our children or with our church fellowship community or with our family. It's so difficult. Why can't we have great deep fellowship? It's because you showed us that it needs to be around your truth. This is how we find deep, lifelong relationships in life. This is how we find worthwhile, fruitful, satisfying relationships and community. It is everything to do with you and your truth. We thank you, Father God, for showing us that, allowing us to build lives. You said... Unless the Lord builds the house, he who labors wastes his time. Help us not labor in vain, Lord. Help us not waste our lives away. But help us, Father God, see the truth of your word as we build life according to your blueprint. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Did you get something out of the word? Amen.